Welcome back to another Wednesday night Bible study. Welcome back to Kevin. It is good to be with all of you tonight. I cannot believe that we are getting very close to the end of our Wednesday night series on friendship. Uh, we've spent an entire quarter doing this, this class and the entire quarter has been in quarantine and we haven't had any real life people in the auditorium. That's right. That no wasn't friends. the initial plan. Yeah, yeah. No, no friends. <laughs> no friends here with us. Um, right. But yeah. Well, it seems like an ironic topic for us to talk about friendship, relationship, togetherness in the midst of all of this, but it's probably very providential that this lesson series fell when it did, because I think that if there's ever been a time where we, we have to be reminded of the importance of togetherness and friendship, it's right now, especially when people are kind of out of sight, out of mind, and we, we need a, a, a reminder to bring to our awareness other people and other people's needs. And, and so I think all of the things that we've been going through in this series are applicable at any time in our life, but especially maybe right now in the situation that we're in. Yeah. Well, in any time, there's a, a, an adjustment we need to make. Um, there's a time period where it's, all, it's almost like we have this survival mechanism internally mm -hmm. where we're making these big adjustments and so once we do that then the kind of reality sinks in it's like oh this is my life now yeah right and so for many of us that that reality has sunk in and parts of it are sort of nice like it's nice not to drive so much mm -hmm. or to have things to do outside of the house but on the other hand it really stinks to not have anything to do outside of the house. Yes, yes. Um, and so even though I don't miss traffic, I do miss being out. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. I imagine many people are feeling like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have tonight's class and then next week, and we'll wrap up our, our series on friendship. Then we have a, a summer series that we're going to do on Wednesday night with some guest speakers. I'm really excited about that. But I'm probably most excited about the lesson that we're doing tonight. I've been looking forward to this one throughout this entire series. We're going to talk about limits and boundaries. But before we do that, we want to talk about Paul. And I started out in, in this study thinking about Paul and Titus. Uh, Paul had a lot of relationships, and that's kind of one of the things we've explored in this series are Paul's relationships and friendships. And I started out by, by thinking about Paul and Titus, but that really led me to think about Paul and his relationship with the Corinthian church. Now, if you know anything about uh, the, the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, the Corinthian church had its more than its fair share of problems, sexual immorality, divisions, uh, sort of putting rich Christians above poorer Christians. There were false teachers that were denying the resurrection. There was just all kinds of things that Paul had to deal with within that church family. So, And he had to deal with it remotely, writing them letters and saying, stop doing what you're doing and warning them very harshly to stop doing what, what they were doing. And one of those communications um, he had, had sent and, and warned them, and he was very concerned with how are they going to respond to this? Are they going to repent? Are they, are they going to hate me after they receive this letter? Paul loved them. I mean, he, he loved the church in Corinth and Ephesus. Everywhere he had ever been, he loved the church. He loved God's people. And when he had to warn them and chastise them and admonish them, it hurt him and he was anxious, like he was really anxious to hear back what's the response to this going to be. And so in his third missionary journey, he sent Titus 
to go and to talk to the church at Corinth, and he desperately wanted to hear back from Titus, how did the Corinthians respond to that rebuke? How did they respond to that admonishment? So he, he was looking to meet up with Titus to hear back from him. And this is a passage that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So Paul is writing back to Corinth and saying, I was waiting to hear. When I sent you that last letter, I was waiting to hear how you were going to respond to that. And this is just an interesting little tidbit, an interesting little moment in Paul's life. Uh, during his third missionary journey, he, he went to Troas and he was expecting to meet Titus in Troas. And he was expecting when he met Titus to hear how did the Corinthians take it? How did they respond to that? What was their reaction? And so he was going to Troas to meet Titus. But here's what we read, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I could not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. Now, part of it, I'm sure, is that Paul was concerned about Titus. Like he was concerned, you know, did something happen to Titus? Because he never showed up. And so Paul is in Troas. He's waiting to meet Titus, and Titus never shows up. And I think part of it is his concern for Titus. What happened? Where is he? But he's also really concerned with how did the, how did the Corinthians take it? What, what's their response going to be? And he's just so incredibly anxious that it says, even though a door was opened for him in Troas to preach the gospel, he couldn't. Like God opened a door for him and he said, I'm sorry, I just can't. I can't do this right now. And he leaves and goes to Macedonia because he just can't. He cannot preach to more people and build more relationships with more people until he deals with this situation with the Corinthians. In chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, he, he goes into how he heard from Titus and finally he met up with Titus in Macedonia and how he was incredibly comforted and reassured and just overflowing with joy because he heard from Titus that everything's okay in Corinth, they responded well, they love you, they, they were eager to repent, and, and everything is good. And so it, it comforted Paul, and he was able to sort of concentrate on the work again. But this passage right here in verses 12 and 13, it just really sticks out to me that, that here's an evangelist a preacher of the gospel, an apostle of Jesus, and he has this open door, this opportunity to preach to more people, to reach more people, and you would think there's nothing more important than that, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing more important than for an evangelist to have opportunity to preach the gospel, but Paul just couldn't because his heart, his mind, his anxiety was for the church in Corinth and what was going on. So here's a statement that I've been kind of you know, rolling around in my mind the last few days is that sometimes we have the opportunity, but not the capacity. Sometimes we have the opportunity to build more relationships and to reach more people and to build more friendships, but we don't have the capacity because some of our other relationships are so big, or so demanding on our time, or we've got so much invested and tied up in what's going on over here that we just don't have the capacity, the emotional capacity to invest in more relationships. And I think that's exactly where Paul found himself when he was in Troas, is that God opened the door of opportunity to reach more people and to build more relationships, but he just didn't have the emotional capacity to do that. Nothing in the text indicates that Paul did something wrong by 
giving them his leave and saying, I just, I can't do this right now and leaving. In fact, I think that that's a really healthy decision to make sometimes mm. is that sometimes we have the opportunity to build more relationships, but we don't have the capacity to do so. And we have to focus on the relationships that we already have. And, and this is why this for me was the lesson I was most looking forward to exploring this, this idea with you, Kevin, is that um, we've been encouraging people to build more relationships, you know, to reach out to more people and to contact more people and talk to more people and look for people that might be sort of on the, on the outside and need to be brought in. And those things are all good. But if we're honest about it, especially in a congregation like ours, where on a Sunday morning, we have like a thousand people. And, and for some of us, that can feel incredibly overwhelming. Um, I, I, I empathize with Paul because as, as a preacher, as an evangelist, I see opportunities everywhere. But then I think, do I have the emotional capacity to invest in even more relationships or do I need to focus my time and energy on the relationships that I do have? And so I think that there are some people that probably have the capacity to build more relationships and then other people that may not have the capacity. Maybe they just need to focus on the relationships that they already have. So mm -hmm. some of the questions that you posed in preparation for this were, what can I reasonably expect of myself here? How do I balance my responsibility to reach out to new friends with my needs to be supported by my existing friends? So I think those are great questions. And I think, I think that's exactly where Paul kind of found himself. And I would love to explore that. Okay. Well, hopefully we will. So whenever, there's a lot to think about there. You know, whenever we examine the verses, it's hard not to feel like Paul made an error there. Mm -hmm. um, that this was a mistake. That, you know, his anxiety costs something for the kingdom yeah. of God. Yeah. Right. And that is that manner of thinking that we can fall into all the time. It's like, well, if I had just been strong enough, then mm -hmm. I could have done the right thing. And I could have taken care of people as I needed to. And um, I, I wouldn't have failed like this, right? And so we can definitely dovetail into that kind of thinking really easily. Um, and, you know, like the, like the question I asked months ago was, the, what can I reasonably expect, mm -hmm. right? And because I, I, as we're all believers, I, I think we're tempted to fall back on, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And to think, well, it's like these problems I am having these emotional kinds of problems, they should not be problems for me. And if I was just faithful enough or mm -hmm. if I was just strong enough or if I was just good enough, yeah. then they wouldn't be problems for me. Um, and when we think like that, we fail to acknowledge that the things that we are already experiencing are affecting us, mm -hmm. right? And we need to adjust to them. <laughs> we need to address them too. Yeah. Um, and so as we take the time to do that, we are going to miss opportunities. Mm -hmm. But maybe a different way to think about it is that when the longer we go on not addressing it, we are missing opportunities mm -hmm. to handle this problem we have. And if we handle this problem we have with how we're feeling, how we're experiencing life right now, then we can do more and do better yeah. in the future. Yeah. But if we keep on plowing ahead like nothing's wrong, nothing's happening, then we're going to fall apart even more over time. Yeah. And to the point where we aren't in control of how we're experiencing life or how we're feeling. Yeah. 
And that's something really to avoid. Yeah. So we have to be honest with, with where we are right now in this moment and, mm -hmm. and deal with those things that are going on in us. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to, we don't want it to just be simply an aversion of difficult things. Because that's the other side mm, too. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, anything that feels hard, I just shouldn't, shouldn't do it. You know, right, like I right. might even say, like, well, I feel called to like never do this thing yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it makes me feel anxious and it makes me yeah. feel scared or something. Right. So that's, I mean, that that's that's the million dollar question there, right? I mean, yeah. how how do we gauge whether we have the capacity to do this, to undertake this, to help in this situation? Um, or how do we say, you know what, I, I don't, and, I, I, and actually, honestly, accurately evaluate our ability to do something. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, if you compare it with, with lifting a heavy weight, um, you know, there are some things that I literally cannot pick up, but there yeah. are other things that are hard to pick up that if I did it, it would actually make me stronger. And yeah. the same thing is true in relationships that there are things, like you said, that are hard and it hurts and it's difficult. Our entire series has been on the hard work of friendship, yeah. that it's a struggle, that it's difficult sometimes, but it's worth it. But then there's, there comes a point where we actually don't have the capacity or the strength to do that, I mean, it's the same, I mean, you work in a, in a professional arena of counseling and helping people, and I'm sure that even in that arena of those relationships, there comes a point where you say, this is beyond my capacity mm -hmm. and have to make a referral. In, in ministry, I have to do that all the time where I think, I want to help this person. Yeah. You know, here they are in my office, but I don't have the capacity to help them the way that they need to be helped. And so I need to refer them to someone else and have someone else step in and, and help them. Yeah. Well, and many times we find the limit of our role, mm, right? Yeah. Where you may find your limit in your role as a preacher. Right. Um, it, so too, I find my limit in my role as a counselor. Right. Right. And sometimes, many times even, um, some of my most depressed clients I'll talk with, it's like, oh, I just wish they had better social supports. Mm -hmm. Like someone in their life who check in on them all the time. Yeah. And I can't do that for all of them. Right. Right. The, the time a week that they come many times is the only time I have to support them. Yeah. Right. And that's a challenge that, you know, I, I have to deal with. It's like, you know, I'd like to reach out more. I'd like to be more involved but it just isn't appropriate because I have knowledge that they have not given me as a friend. Mm -hmm. I have knowledge they've given me as a professional. Mm -hmm. And I need to be professional as I approach that yeah. situation. Um, but at the, it reminds me, you know, at the beginning of this series, I, I talked a little bit about depression and it, kind of my experiences with that. And it would have been very easy for me to say, you know, the friends I've got, just fine. The amount that I've kept them at a distance is appropriate because I can't handle anyone knowing anything more about me because mm -hmm. it's risky, mm -hmm. because it's difficult. I have found, and I hope that others could find as well, that taking the risk is worth it of people knowing you more. Mm -hmm. And the more that people know about me, the more I can realize and see in real time, and I think through the work of the Spirit and the body of Christ, that the things I worry about myself are things I think only to myself. Mm -hmm. And that when other people think with me that I come to different kinds of conclusions. Yeah. And 
I don't know if I can think of a much better way to address depression in the long run than finding good and reliable and constant social supports. Yeah. Now, that being said, your social supports are going to let you down. Your friends are going to let you down, right? And when that happens, it's so difficult to know what to do about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when our friends let us down, that is when we can depend, I think, on most on God. Mm-hmm. And to say, well, my friends did the best that they could. And isn't that so much? That they tried very hard. They they suffered on my behalf before God. And they, they tried for me. And they'll continue to try. But sometimes what I need is beyond the comfort they can give me. Yeah. Right? And sometimes that's something we can only get from God. Mm-hmm. But I think knowing how to do that is really difficult as well. Yeah. Well, and I think that that brings up an interesting point. I think that that there's there's something to be said for putting so much expectation on one person to help us through whatever challenges we're going through in life, um, where we we really need a multiplicity of friends. We need lots of people to help, you know, all of us do. We all need, you know, because any one person can only do so much. Only one, you know, they, they have their own lives and their own problems their, and their own struggles. And sometimes we expect them to be the only one who's there for us. Whereas if we have multiple friends, hopefully they sort of fill in those gaps. But even that being said, to your point, that I think sometimes we place such a heavy burden on our friends, on our friendships, that really only God can bear that burden. Um, and we, we tend to do this with our families. We tend to you know, place a burden on our spouse or on our children or whatever. And of course, they crumble under that burden because the only one who could carry that emotional burden is God. Uh, but so many times we sort of expect our family or our friends to be our rock. In fact, we even say that sometimes, I have to be the rock for my family or I have to be the rock for my friend when really there are some things that only God can be that rock and we have to, and that's why back to our point of this whole series is that that the gospel helps us to be better friends because we have to come to a realization that we can't be everyone's rock nor can I expect you to be my rock, that God has to be our rock. Right, well in... I think whenever we depend on people over and over and over again, we can create a static role for in that relationship, mm-hmm. and we want to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, static meaning it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I am always depending on my friend and they never depend on me, it's not a friendship, mm-hmm. right? Right. And in, in terms of, like, if you think you need to be the rock for your family or if you need to be the one who's always okay because that's just who you are, mm-hmm. right? It can do so much good for these people you take care of to see you struggle. Yeah, It can do them so much good because then they'll see that they're not the only ones that do this, mm-hmm. that, that, that even the strongest people in their life have this kind of struggle and they can help, Yeah. Right? It gives them an opportunity to serve a role that they need to be serving in somebody's life, if not in that relationship. Because, you know, sometimes with parents and children, um, especially young children, probably not the most appropriate situation to be you know, like, oh, you know, my six-year-old child really needs to take care of me right yeah. now. It's like, yeah. 
No, that's not. You need cool. to find that emotional support yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. Find it somewhere else. Yes, right. and <laughs> please reach out for help if right. that's your situation. Sure, but you know, if we are locked into these static roles with our friends, then finding opportunities to push yourself, ask about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't accept an avoidant answer readily. Right. You, eventually, you're going to have to let them be avoidant. But don't hesitate to follow up. Say that, you know, I think you were backing away here and I want you to know it's okay. And it's important to me to know how you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they may choose to be avoidant again. At some point, it makes sense to let it go. I think this is one of those limits we need to discuss. Yeah. Is that sometimes people aren't ready themselves. Yeah. And so give them that space. Yeah. But they, you've given them that space with them realizing and knowing about you that you care and want to know, mm-hmm. right? And whenever we are in these situations where it's like, well, I just don't think I could bear to talk to another person about myself, or I don't think I, like this feels so hard to me, that seems like a clear limit to me, mm-hmm. something I can't do, mm-hmm. right? But finding an appropriate way and a kind way to get that space is uh, is what we need to be doing. Yeah, and I, I really like that idea of finding ways to to create that space and being like you've been emphasizing, being really clear and really honest with articulating where we are, you know, with people mm-hmm. and being able to share that. I think about Paul in this entire letter of Second Corinthians. He's very clear with them about where he is emotionally. You know, in fact. You know, you were talking about letting our weakness be known. Yeah. And that's exactly what Paul does. In fact, he boasts, he, he, he anchors his apostleship, not in his strength, but in his weakness. He yeah. anchors his apostleship in the fact that he suffered all of these things. In fact, when he lists all of his persecutions, he says, and on top of that is this constant anxiety for all of the churches. And he obviously makes known to the Corinthian church his anxiety for them. And I think that sometimes just letting people know that here's where I am right now. Here's how I'm feeling right now. Here's what I need right now. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what we've been talking about all through this, this series. But I think that giving people the permission and helping them to understand the importance of articulating that is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it'd be hard to know how to articulate well. And, you know, it's funny because this class about limits and boundaries and things like that and a lot of times people use those terms to uh, basically oppress people and basically say like well you you need to back off you need to get away because i need this right and so it can be kind of like that um where it i think can be more harmful than good i think healthy limits understanding healthy limits and expressing them well can be really really good for relationships i want to be clear about that but I think at times we can overuse it to the extent where we're not stretching ourselves and we're not trying to be better. Yeah. Right. And so for me, it's about creating these, you know, healthy boundaries for our life, but finding a way to expand them if we can, mm-hmm. 
expand what we're capable of. Mm. And we just can't expand what we're capable of unless we try to understand ourselves first. Yeah. Like we talked about in that class before. Yeah. And I don't know if you're a fan, uh, you don't have to tell me one way or the other, of the book Boundaries. Um, but one of the things in that book that really helped me was the whole idea is when to say no and how to say yes and those kind of things. The, the, the metaphor that's really helped me over the years because I tended to be a person who allowed other people to take advantage of me and allowed people to just take whatever they wanted from me. And the metaphor, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting this from that book, but um, you know, it was like of an apple tree. Whereas if, if I have an apple tree in my yard and you just come and take apples whenever you want, it's not really me giving you those apples. I'm not really being generous and sharing apples with you. You're just taking them. I'm not really having any say about it. But if I put up a fence... Yeah then it, it seems like what I'm trying to do is keep you out. But, but actually, it's allowing me to give you apples out of my own generosity rather than out of you just taking them from me. And so when we express those boundaries and we say to someone, here's, here's how I kind of want this to work or here's what I can offer, or, here's what I want to give you, here's how I want to help you, then we're really, it's not, it, it shouldn't be about keeping people away. Mm -hmm. It should be about giving people what they need and what you're able to give in a way that's intentional. And I think sometimes we just, we feel kind of helpless when it comes to these kind of things. We say, well, these people just do this or that in, in our life and take this from me. Whereas when we sort of take control, it doesn't mean we're pushing them away and saying, I'm I'm not going to have a relationship with you anymore, but it is saying, I want to give you these things in a very intentional way. And like you said, I love what you said about stretching ourselves so we can actually be even more generous with our time and resources. Right. Well, and I think the apple tree metaphor works best if we only have one apple tree <laughs> and if we've only got those apples. Yeah. Right. And so in that sense, well, of course, like we need to make sure there's enough apples to go around. Sure. Right. I think we can find that we don't have just one apple tree, though, right? It's like in, in that whenever we overemphasize boundaries in mm -hmm. our space, mm -hmm. then we build fences around all of them, mm -hmm. right? And so we're not, it, it's not about being generous at that point. It's about hoarding for ourselves this mm -hmm. energy or this time or this space yeah. in, 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 at the cost of our neighbors yeah. and our loved ones. And I think that's something to be very careful about, sure. right? And I, I won't talk about the book, but you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of the best advice I've heard and, and would give on boundaries is that they need to be strong and they need to be able to bend, but not break. Mm, I like that, yeah. Right, and so they, like a rubber fence. Yeah. Something that like, you know, you're gonna, be static, but you have room for flexibility. And it's yeah. not a hard and fast rule. Right. It's something that you do to help take care of yourself. But at times of crisis or times of immediate need, that you can bend a little bit yeah. to accommodate somebody that is in need because yeah. we can't anticipate those times of need for people. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. I love the idea of flexibility. We, we, we have to know where that boundary is so that we know when to flex and how to flex. Yeah. But, but at the same time, we need, we need flexibility. And I think sometimes when people think about boundaries and limits, we think about very strict inflexible rules that say, well, sorry, that's, that's just the way it is. That's my boundary. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And that's what people say. Yeah. And it's, um, 
I think it's a bit unfair. Yeah. yeah. Um, in, at the risk of oversimplifying their sure. position. Um, it, but, you know, being somebody that needs to set careful limits myself, I, I understand that, like, sometimes you need to be like, you know, this is something I need to do. Mm-hmm. And things like that. Sometimes you do have to say those hard things. Mm-hmm. Um, but evaluating, at least for yourself, it's like, well, how flexible am I really on this? Yeah. Did I create this rule to be onerous or to be like to put on other people mm-hmm. um, that basically to strongly emphasize how important my time and my space is? Yeah. Or am I putting these rules in so that I can be generous and be kind mm-hmm. um, to all the people that need it in my life. Yeah. And I, I think that the the one point that that is that we keep coming back to that I think is so important is the intentionality of it. Yeah. And and one thing that, you know, to kind of go back to the apple tree metaphor, there are some things in our life, it's like 168. That's how many hours we have. 168 yeah. hours in every week, you know, the, the, somebody that accomplishes a ton of things, somebody that accomplishes hardly anything, all of us, we've got 168 hours in our week. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we have to decide how we're going to divvy those things up. And if we say yes to one thing, then at times we really are saying no to something yeah. else. And I think sometimes we have this tendency in our life to say yes to everybody who asks and we unintentionally say no to the people that didn't ask where they might actually need our time a little bit more than the people that are just constantly asking for our time and just being intentional about saying, you know what, I can't help you. Maybe it's referring someone to say, you know, hey, I can't help you with that, but maybe Bob can or maybe George can and, mm-hmm. and sort of helping other people to come into their life and take, take care of them because you need to give your time over here, it's really easy for caretakers, those people that are taking care of people outside of their their home or family, to give all of their time and energy there and unintentionally be telling their family, no, 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 I don't have time for you. I've seen so many ministry families that have suffered that way because ministers have spent all of their time and energy on all the people that are asking for their time and energy and their family over here who didn't have the audacity to say, we need some, we need some time yeah. too. Uh, they're, they're unintentionally telling them no, 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 until it's too late. And so that, that intentionality of saying, here's how I'm going to divvy up my time while yeah. also practicing flexibility, I think is so important. Right. Well, in, in like that ministry family example, it, it kind of creates this myth of support at home. Mm-hmm. It's like the thing you can do to support me is to never question what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, that can be dangerous to not question for sure. But also, like in that situation, you know, I can provide you much better support if you can find a way to enjoy your family as well. Mm -hmm. Then it can be actually refreshing, actually supportive, actually good to have that space. But there may be times in your life when you do need to spend all of your time working. Yeah. Right? Whether it's in ministry or something else. Sure. And during those times the support of your family does look like that, but there has to be other times mm-hmm. when you are getting supported in an intentional and a strong and powerful way by your family yeah. and by other people in your life. Yeah. And if you're not doing that, then you're creating a dangerous circumstance that's going to continue to drive you further and further down and away from things that keep you 
afloat. Yeah, I really like that, that idea. I like the idea of seasons of our life. You know, that this is a season where I'm really having to invest in this or where yeah. I've got this going on or I can't do this other thing. I think about Paul and his moment in Troas where he said, I just can't right now. I've got to take care of this other thing. I have to take care of the church at Corinth. My mind is over here. He wasn't saying, this is always going to, I don't have any more capacity for any other people. I'm never going to evangelize again. He wasn't drawing a hard and fast line. He's just saying, today, I can't do this. And, and I think that it's okay to have those moments where we say, today, I'm, I'm with my family, or for this season in my life, this is family time, or this season in my life, I really need to invest in my friend, or I really need right. to invest in this situation. And just being able to to flex and to bend, to pivot and to change what we're focused on, when we're focused on it, and being able to give a yes where it needs to go and a no where it needs to go. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, one of the things about this entire process that we've talked about over the last 10 weeks or so is that this trying to do these things will not change the way you experience life really. Or I don't know, maybe it's, it won't change the way you approach your life internally rather. Mm-hmm. Like it will, it should and could change the way that you um, experience life. But in terms of your personality and things like that, like these will be basically the same. Yeah. Like even if you're an introvert and you find value in friendship, right. that doesn't mean you don't crave that time in your own space and your own thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And if you're an extrovert and you become better at sitting with people and kind of quietly waiting for them, that doesn't mean you won't need your time, mm-hmm. right? And you to go out and yeah. to be social and to talk about anything, yeah. right? To talk about nothing sometimes. And so you'll still need that time. You'll still have the same kinds of needs, but you're just stretching yourself to be available to the kinds of people you weren't before, and to grow yourself into something else, something new. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things that I always come back to, and it is especially important for myself, is that even though I often crave that time to be alone, um, that I'm not meant to be alone. Mm. Not really. Not in my thoughts, not in my actions, not in my routines. Um, That from the very beginning, it was God's design to give us people. Mm -hmm. It was really the first gift he gave us. Yeah. It was to someone else. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what he said. I mean, to your point, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Right. Everything else he had created was good. He said, this is good, and this is good, and this is good. Yeah. The only thing that wasn't good is for man to be alone. Right. Yeah. Right. When I, I think that's maybe the most beautiful thing to take away from this. Like, we're not meant to be alone. He's given us billions of people (laughs) to to be with us and so finding those people in our lives and stretching ourselves Mm -hmm. recognizing that at times we will be limited we will need to give ourselves some space but if we try if we push ourselves then we can find true satisfaction Mm -hmm. and true um, I think the experience we're meant to have in the body of Christ through yeah. these kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. That's so That's so well said. Because God gives us the gift of himself, his own presence, mm-hmm. and that fills us up. And then we have a larger capacity 
to support others and to be supported by each other. And, and I think so often we try to navigate life alone without God's presence and without the presence of his people in our life and how, how I think this season in our world mm. going through this quarantine and lockdown has reminded all of us that we need people in our lives. We need the presence of others and we need to be present in the lives of other people. And I know we're all longing to be back in person with each other, but even in the midst of what's going on now, even as I keep saying, just because we're distant doesn't mean we have to be disconnected. We have to find ways to connect with each other and to both support and be supported by each other. So I appreciate everybody being here, being a participant in tonight's Bible study. Let's, uh, let's spend a minute in prayer. Father, we, we thank you for your presence in our lives. Father, that we do not have to be alone. No matter how few or how many people are around us, we know that you are ever-present and that you walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we need not fear evil, for you're with us and your rod and your staff, they comfort, comfort us. But Father, you have also added us to a family that is vast that is worldwide. And Father, we pray that you help us to make the most of it. Help us to be there for one another and allow others to be there for us. Help us to support others and to be supported by others. Help us, Father, to know uh, how to make limits and, and to draw boundaries when that's necessary. But help us, Father, to be generous with our time and our energy and our resources and invite others into our lives and to, um, to also seek to be involved in others' lives. Father, thank you for Jesus through whom we have all of these promises and all of this hope and all of this support. And Father, it's in his name that we pray. Amen.